listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. Nice to have you along as we'll be talking sports from a faith-based point of view. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. We like to say that it's sports talk without all the trash talk. Zach, I hate to complain, but since I'm fairly good at it, I might as well go ahead, huh? I, I don't want to sound like a homer and complaining about officiating, which the other night worked against the Yankees since they opened a series up in Toronto. Uh, complaining about officiating in a sports game always seems childish to me. But when I tell you that this was another Angel Hernandez situation, <laughs> I think you get what I mean. It's not that the calls went only against the Yankees. Some of them worked against the Blue Jays. They went against both teams. Yeah. Uh, but the Yankees, I think, probably got the worst of it. It's not a homer thing. It's not a complaining about officiating thing. It's an Angel Hernandez is bad at his job thing. Absolutely. It baffles me how Major League Baseball continues to let him officiate ball games with seemingly no accountability. And the thing with Angel Hernandez is it's not like, you know, oh, in this one instance, he made an egregious mistake. It's a long standing pattern over a long period of time. I think that's the biggest issue. Now, obviously, I don't know Angel Hernandez. He's somebody's son. He's probably somebody's dad, somebody's granddad, somebody's husband. I, I don't want to say mean things or hurtful things about him personally, but if he's I not do. able, <laughs> <laughs> but if he is not able to do the job, get him out of there, or at best do something to help him get better at his job, help him to find a career that's more suited to his his skill set. I mean, if he knows the rules, maybe he can be. In that office, in wherever it is, New York City or wherever, that reviews the replays. I, I don't know. you got to do something. You can't let him affect the game. I've said this before, and I realize that the umpire union will fight this. They'll never allow this. But if they're not good enough for the majors, send them down to the minors. That's what they do with the players. If, if a player's not performing up to major league level, they get bumped down. Same thing should happen with umpires. Hammer out a system that provides for accountability, as well as some sort of plan to help those umpires get better, not just become habitually poor at doing their job. Yeah. And do it on a stage that doesn't have the focus, doesn't have the attention of a major league ball game. Allowing him to continue missing calls the way he does, blatantly missing, and just terrible calls, man, that makes nobody look good. It, it, it makes nobody look good, and it affects the game, and I'm convinced that's what happened the other night when the Yankees lost to Toronto 4-3. to Now, look, I'm not making excuses. you got to always play better to overcome poor officiating. That's the way it is. Was this Angel Hernandez's fault? No, not exactly, though I'll maintain that he was the root cause for this. Here's what happened. The Yankees led the game 2-0, uh, bottom of the fifth inning. Toronto's up, nobody on, nobody out. Masahiro T Tanaka delivers a pitch to Randall Greichuk that not it wasn't even close to being outside the strike zone. Not close. I mean, this thing was right down the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Angel Hernandez calls it a ball. It was so stunning that he had called it a ball 
that it was not a strike, that in the process of returning the ball back to the pitcher, catcher Gary Sanchez, I mean, he's in the process of throwing it, and he stops, and he looks back at Angel Hernandez, and we all know umpires don't like that. They feel like it's showing them up, but he was so shocked. I mean, shocked that this thing was not a strike. He, he thought maybe he misheard something. It was stunning. You called that a strike, right? Masahiro Tanaka looks in from the mound. I, again, just at, at, at a sheer shock that this thing right down the middle. And, of course, umpires don't like pitchers looking in at him. And I don't know. At the same time, pitchers don't like to have strikes called balls. So, you know. I should point this out. Angel Hernandez is a guy that will throw players out for questioning them. And he's going to antagonize bit. you into an argument, too. So there he was before the next pitch is delivered. And I don't know what he was saying back to the mound. Maybe he was saying something to Sanchez. But you could see his arms flailing a little bit as he did this. If I had to guess, based on other incidents, other reports of things that uh, has he has said during the course of, of a game, that he was probably saying something along the lines of, come on, throw the ball. I, I can call him any way I want to call him because there's almost this type of uh, attitude that he can do whatever he wants back there. The very next pitch, Grychuk hits a solo home run. Now, good for Tanaka. He didn't say a thing because I would have been tossed right there. No, I, I wouldn't have made a scene. I wouldn't have screamed. I wouldn't have yelled. I wouldn't have made a child of myself. Losing but I would have definitely let, be letting everyone know how frustrated I was that that previous pitch wasn't called a strike. I mean, there'd be headhunters in New Guinea who knew how <laughs> frustrated I was. And it would seem that Tanaka was frustrated because the call threw him off his game. No no doubt in my mind that they threw it off his game. He threw another home run later that inning, this time to Freddie Galvis. All four of Toronto's runs in the game came after in, in the moments following that blown call. Now, Tanaka let the call, missed call affect him. He's got to be better than that. And, and I'm sure he'd tell you that. I'm sure of that. But baseball is a mental game. And pitchers in particular get so dialed in that the littlest things can knock them off their game, get them crossed up. With as much as they're focusing on all the things that are going on in the ballpark around them, in the game itself, they should at the very least be able to count on a major league umpire being able to identify a pitch thrown right down the middle as a strike. Now, I'm not, again, not blaming Hernandez for not Tanaka losing it. That's on Tanaka. But come on, man, you got to be able to do your job. Now, you've had days, I'm sure you've had, we've all had them, where enough things have gone wrong. So many things have worked against you in the course of a day that the smallest thing seems to be that straw that breaks the camel's back. I, I suppose that's what happened with Tanaka. He's a professional. He gets paid an awful lot of money by the New York Yankees to pitch on the big stages, to pitch in the biggest moments. One call shouldn't throw him off his game, but, man, it seemed like it did. Angel Hernandez's inability, yet again, to perform his job at a minimum standard put Tanaka in a position to fail. Now, that's going to happen to you and I. Circumstances, people trip us up, knock us off our games. If we allow them to, we get put into positions at times to fail and we need to elevate our games in life. We need to elevate our focus so that we overcome such circumstances. And really, that's what Tanaka needed to do. And he, and, and he failed to do it when it comes to our service for Christ, when it comes to sharing the gospel with people who haven't heard it, the good news of Jesus. We can't let circumstances, we can't let people interfere with our goal. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Because we were raised with Christ, because Christians have been saved from the penalty of their sins, we need to stay dialed in. We need to stay focused and be thinking on the things of Christ. As David Guzik says, uh, we should strive to act as Jesus did and do the things which Jesus did. Guzik points out that after his resurrection, Jesus left the tomb. So should we. We don't live there anymore. Don't let your past hold you. Don't, don't, don't let your past haunt you, I should say. Don't let it hold you back. Don't let it be a distraction to you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, one of my favorite portions of Scripture says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Keep moving forward. There may be people from your past who want to keep reminding you of your past sins, but you've been forgiven by God. Don't let them knock you off your game. But there are a couple of other basic things, everyday things, which Christians need to be committed to in order to keep themselves sharp, to keep themselves focused on God. Let me just share a couple. One is to be faithful, faithful in Bible reading, regular Bible reading. It's difficult, if not impossible, for believers who are regularly studying the Word of God to not have their attention on Christ. I'm talking about daily reading, daily study, daily meditation, digging into God's Word, and not only letting it speak to you, but applying it to your life. Another thing is to be devoted to prayer. The more you talk with God, the more you'll find yourself focused on Him. You'll find yourself wondering, what would God think? How would God want me to respond? First Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. And if I may, let me encourage you with just one more thing to commit yourself to in order to keep yourself more focused on God, and that's this. Just trust Him. I know that sounds simple to say and more difficult to do in reality, but trust God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Recognizing our need uh, helps us surrender our dependence to Him. The world distracts people with offers of love, joy, peace. But what the world offers is, is not the real thing. You'll never find it in drugs, sex, wealth, wherever you think love, joy, peace, satisfaction come from. The true source of those things is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once we're not looking to the world for the light, the more clearly that light of Christ shines out. The darker the world becomes to us, the brighter Christ becomes to us. Maybe you're listening and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you know too well that what I'm saying is true. You haven't been able to find joy, peace in the things of the world. Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with you. It's no coincidence that you're hearing this program right now. He's calling you to himself. Let me ask you this. Do you know that you'll be with him in heaven after you pass from this earth? Do you know for absolute certain where you will go after you die? Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The way to heaven, the way to God the Father is through 
Jesus Christ. He's the only way because he's the only one worthy because he's never sinned. And yet, though he never sinned, he chose, willingly chose to give up his life, to die on the cross as a payment for the sins that you and I committed. His death, his resurrection make it possible for us to be redeemed, for us to go to heaven. If only we accept that free gift, which he offers. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible promises us that if we are to confess our sins to him, that he will forgive us of our sins. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope that you'll consider giving your heart to God today. Maybe for you, it's recommitting yourself to him. Maybe you've been distracted. Maybe you've been knocked off your game for a time. Get right with God. Pray to God. Admit your sin. Admit your guilt. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he was buried, and that he rose again, defeating death. Ask God to forgive you of your sins and to help you in repenting from those sins, turning away from them. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Feel free to let us know if we can help you in any way. Reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks again for being with us. We need to meet a few obligations, so it's time to take a break. But we'll be right back. Stick around, won't you? Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game Program. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the program. So glad you're here with us on the Beyond the Game program. We're coming to you from Rochester, New York, recording from the BTG studio. But, you know, you can get the show wherever it is that you are. This week we say hello and thank you to Vancouver, Washington, one of the many places around the globe to download last week's program. NASCAR's Greg Biffle was born in Vancouver, Washington, four-time All-Star relief pitcher, one-time New York Met, Randy Myers, also born in Vancouver, Willie Nelson, you might not know this, Zach. Willie Nelson got his career started in Vancouver, Washington, working as a radio station announcer and singing in nightclubs in Vancouver. Interesting. 
I wouldn't have thought Willie Nelson in the no, Northwest. Not at all. Thanks for listening in Vancouver, Washington, wherever it is you're listening from. However it is you're listening, whether it be on the radio or through our podcast, we thank you for being with us as well. Here is my friend Zach Barletta to give us this week's shenanigan statements. All right, number one, Yankees outfielder Clint Frazier was wrong to skip speaking to reporters after his rough game in the field on Sunday. I, I agree. He, he, he was wrong, but sometimes I sympathize with these guys. It is... Man, they're sticking microphones in their face. The guy's struggling. He made a number of errors in the outfit. He had a bad game. Cost the Yankees probably the win. Mm. And all of a sudden, now they're going to stick my... Just give the guy a chance. If he doesn't want to talk, let it be. I'm going to say shenanigans. Uh, I don't think he was wrong to skip speaking to reporters. And like you alluded at, he's kind of between a rock and a hard place here because... Clearly, it affected him, right? He was upset about his performance and stuff, enough that he skipped speaking to reporters. So, look, you skip speaking to reporters, you get blasted by the reporters. But also, if he speaks to the reporters and says something that he's later going to regret, says it in the moment when he's hot-headed or whatever, well, then he's going to have to deal with the fallout from that also. So it's really a no-win situation. As someone who's gotten in trouble from time to time by speaking when I maybe shouldn't have, uh, I can identify with what he's dealing with, and I'm going to say he was not wrong to skip speaking. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. The only reason I agree that he he was wrong is you can stand there and you can say, look, I had a bad game, and and you can take the high road out. Mm -hmm. But reporters take themselves pretty seriously. Yeah, too seriously. Sometimes it drives me nuts when they say, oh, I had to ask the question. It's an intrusive, obnoxious personal question sometimes they ask and well i had to ask it's my job no you don't yeah you know come on there's boundaries and i think this is one of those things where like i said the guy's having a bad game let him be Mm -hmm. just let him be if he doesn't want to talk don't put a microphone in his face number two of all the big four major sports in america the major league baseball draft is by far the least interesting draft I would think we both agree here, so let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm interested to hear your view. Why do you agree? Well, as someone who loves the draft, and I you know, I watched the first night of it, the first two rounds and the compensation rounds, Um, I think it is by far the most boring because, look, even best-case scenario, you're not seeing these guys for a year, maybe two. You know, in every other sport, at least some of the guys you see drafted in the first round are going to be playing on your favorite team right away. You know, even hockey, the top two, three, four guys probably are going to play as teenagers. But in baseball, you're like, yes, we're excited to have this guy. Um, in three or four years, we look forward to seeing him play. You know, and I think from that aspect, it's kind of boring. And I agree with everything you just said. And I'll add to that, that in baseball, sometimes they don't even get there. Yeah. They reach the top out at double A or maybe even triple A or maybe not even there. And mm-hmm. you just, these number one draft picks never make their way And obviously not always, but in many instances. Number three, Cleveland Browns running back Duke Johnson has requested a trade, but is currently still on the Browns roster and is now in OTAs with the team that he no longer wants to be a part of. When Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield was asked about whether that puts Johnson in an awkward situation, he said, quote, it's not awkward. It's self-inflicted. I hope he does his job, end quote. Truth or shenanigans, Mayfield shouldn't have commented on a teammate's situation. You know, I say shenanigans, but I agree with where you're going with this. Shenanigans. He He's welcome to say it's not awkward. Leave it at that. If he had left it there, no problem. You commented, let it go. There's no reason to add 
it's self-inflicted. I hope he does. He's a professional. Of mm-hmm. course he's going to do his job. Uh, yeah, I think he has a right to comment, but guard your words. Be careful with what you say. Shut up! Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, he was asked about the situation, so of course he's going to have to say something about it. But to say something like, I hope he does his job, sort of indicates that there's a chance that he won't. You know, where maybe nobody was thinking Duke Johnson might not do his job. But now that his quarterback has said that, people are like, well, is there a chance that he's not, you know, is he not doing what he's supposed to be doing? Um, I don't think there was a need for Baker Mayfield to say all the things that he said. I agree with you. When we come back, we're going to close up the show for this week. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. As we like to do each week, we close out our show with a little something encouraging from the world of sports. We call it our You Like That segment. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. We all love, don't we, when a position player gets a chance to come into a game late when a blowout and get a chance to pitch. And I'm sure that position player loves it, something he'll never forget. But I'm not aware of any player enjoying it as much as Milwaukee Brewers utility man Hernan Perez did this past week when he came to a, into a game in the ninth inning with his team trailing the Miami Marlins by 16 runs. Now, I don't know what's harder to believe, that this was Perez's sixth lifetime appearance on the mound, second this season, or that the Miami Marlins were up on somebody by 16 runs. Perez threw a perfect, perfect one, two, three inning, but the best part was the joyful heart he displayed while on the mound. He employed a number of various different pitching delivery styles, mimicking pitchers he watched over the years. There was a Johnny Cueto-esque type of shake. There was a high leg kick inspired by Bronson Arroyo. Perez, Perez must have obviously been a Reds fan. He admitted after the game when he found out that he was pitching later in the game, he jumped onto YouTube, looked up some of the pitching styles. He just looked like he was having a great time. The fun that Hernan Perez had and the entertainment he provided, by the way, by the way, it was fun to watch while pitching a meaningless ninth inning for the Milwaukee Brewers is what I like, you like that? this week. You like What I like this week is a story you may have seen if you've been following the Stanley Cup final between the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. The St. Louis Blues are training a service dog named Barkley while working with a nonprofit organization in St. Louis called Duo. Barkley spends his days in the Blues offices and is learning how to handle being in public situations with loud noises and lots of people, which is what you would expect at a hockey game. 
it's always encouraging to see sports teams doing something to help their community. And also, Barkley's adorable. So the St. Louis Blues raising Barkley to be a service dog is what I liked this week. Well, we're at the end of our show, and I want to thank you again for being with Zach and I here on the Beyond the Game program. Hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our conversations, mixing both sports and uh, biblical perspectives into the mix. But here's just one more thing. Rico Garcia is one of the Colorado Rockies' top prospects, if not their very top prospect. The other night against the Trenton Thunder, pitching for the Hartford Yard Goats, their double-A affiliate, Garcia threw six innings, striking out 11, lowered his ERA to 1.92, and approved his overall record this season to 7-1. Garcia and teammates, in fact, took a combined no-hitter into the ninth inning. Leading 3-0 with one away, two outs away from a no-hitter, the Thunder's Matt Lipka laid down a bunt breaking up said no-hitter. And because double-A baseball players do what they see big league baseball players doing and what they think is supposed to happen based on their interpretation of baseball's famous unwritten rules, the bench is cleared because a player bunted for a hit. Now, I get it. Maybe it seems a little weak, but it's not as though this game was 7-zip or 8-zip or something like that. There was still the possibility that the Thunder could get a couple of guys on base and win the game or tie the game with just one swing of the bat. Bunting your way on, getting your way on any way you can in a 3-0 game is good baseball. You take the field to win the game. You might want to tell me that it's double A. Winning or losing isn't as important as developing as a baseball player, and that's true, but you still play the game to win. And using that same logic, I can say to you, that it's only double A. A combined no-hitter in double A baseball is as worthless and forgettable as any other double A baseball game. Really? You want to challenge other players to a fight simply because their team bunted for a base hit and ruined your combined no-hitter? Because they tried to win the game and play hard until the final out? Zach has said over and over again in these situations, just be better. If you don't want a guy to bunt for a hit, get him out. Unwritten rules are ridiculous. They are ridiculous because baseball players are chasing someone else's benchmark, many times not even understanding why. They have no idea why, apart from that's the way it's always been. Jesus died on Calvary's cross so that we could stop aimlessly chasing someone else's outdated standards or someone else's code. We ought to live our lives according to God's standards, not some code of unwritten rules. And you can find his standards clearly laid out in his word. Spend more time with God. Spend less time worrying about what someone else is doing or the fact that they're not doing it the way you think they ought to be done or not according to some standard which somebody else came up with along the way. There's a difference between preferences and biblical doctrines. Preferences are certainly not worth clearing the benches over, getting in a fight over, especially in a double-A baseball game. That's it for us this week. Remember that this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. Please keep us in prayer, won't you? And if you'd like to have a part in making this radio ministry, visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 